Episode 14, Season 3 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. My name's Jav. Joining me this week, back for the first time this season, Aaron Wolf from Boston. Hello. And from sunny Weymouth, Zach Gasnola. Also back for the first greetings, time. Greetings from the Dorset coast. Right. Um, Aaron, before we talk about football and all things Spurs. Um as I said for the first time back on pod this season you've been you've been busy having a child and, and doing yes. other things. I, I had a kid. I had a kid. Uh so I have a good excuse. I have a good excuse for being uh groggier than usual for our early morning games with early morning on our on our, you know, time zone. But uh you'll you'll be happy to know that I, I missed I missed the last time I was meant to be on because uh, my daughter was born, and yet I watched the game in the recovery room of the yes. hospital. Baby, one day old baby in arms, uh, game on the laptop, just like a true fan ought to do. I think it was Sunderland. Sunderland, Sunderland was was the um, yeah, I time think. we're going to have you have you on. Um, yep. Congratulations, Aaron. Thank you. It's number ask, two. Um... Can I ask her which um, which Spurs player you named her after? Uh, well, I named her Nola, so uh, um, after me. Yeah, after you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm naming I'm naming I'm naming my children after Spurs fans. That's 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 what we're doing. And you've also Classy. you've also been busy working on a few projects, which we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. We'll save that for later on the podcast. Zach, you've been busy marking away and doing stuff that teachers do um yeah various things actually and and uh, this week we were visited by um storm angus who's um who's really pissed me off actually because uh he not only made it very difficult to get to work with flooded roads and things like this out here on the dorset coast but he also um had a go at my uh roof of my log cabin and ripped huge chunks of that off so i spent most of the weekend on topping a sort of howling gale repairing that which has been fun so you you had a hazard in Dorset. Ooh. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, but at least I've had no bits snipped off this time, unlike <laughs> last time. Oh, that 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 pun will cost a man. Huh? <laughs> huh? Uh, he's a pun meister. Let's let's um let's just cut to the chase. Nick Seal, question from Nick Seal: Will we ever beat Chelsea at the Bridge? Why is it we always seem to have long non-winning runs against the other big clubs? Is it really just down to being bottle jobs at our core? So twenty. Just let me just put this in perspective. So I mean, I, I said last week, the last time that we 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 beat um, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, uh, a certain Gary Lineker scored, and since then he's gone on, gone on to sell crisps and uh, present TV programs in his underpants. Um, to put it in perspective, 27, 20, 26 and a bit years ago, a day that the day after or two days after we we beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, Nelson Mandela was um, released from prison, 
and he obviously went on and and won an election and became president and then he retired and 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 he's been dead for a few years as well in that space of time so that's how long long it's been will we ever beat chelsea at the bridge aaron of course i it's uh, um of course and then and also i'll probably say like not in my lifetime like i it, it feels like it will never will never do it but of course we have to of course we do this this whole notion that a team could have bad luck at or have have a problem beating another team at, at a stadium that crosses basically generations of players at a club it's hard for me to really believe that it's nothing other than that it's something other than just a aberration a sort of incredible luck like flipping a coin a dozen times and getting heads every time um i think i think there's a psychological aspect that must start to to creep in and and the more it's talked about the more it, it the players will feel the pressure um but you know this past game was was to me um that's that's as close that's as close to to a a a lucky win as you can get right it's just a wonder strike a a misplaced pass i don't know it doesn't to me there's nothing about the the loss yesterday that makes me feel like it'll never happen it just is like that's a that's a game that's football yeah i think that's slightly disingenuous much as i hate to give them any credit um they did carve us out a number of times and a number of times there was people um you know in the middle of our um box unmarked just you know there to ram the ball home and they missed it uh, i think it was about two or three of those and they carved out much clearer cut chances and um we seem to create a lot of chances but they seem to be not of the same quality necessary that other teams create um but um i mean i've been to a lot of those games that in this past 26 years i think i might have been at that game um with the linica goal and i think i've i've been to a number of games which we should have won and i've just been to so many games where we've dominated i mean there's been times when we've been rubbish you know we don't get me wrong there's times we completely deserve to lose but there's been times when we've been so much the better side and they've got, you know, their one attack. They've done a Leicester style, you know, one goal, one shot, gone off the backside of somebody and in it goes. Um, and my theory is this. I think I've got a slightly different theory to Aaron. Are you familiar with the film Angel Heart? No. No. Ah, well, this is where um, uh, somebody makes a deal with the devil. I mean, if there is ever a club that made a deal with the devil, it's that shower of shite. And um, they made a deal with the devil, and I think that's um, and and they promised their soul um, for the eternity, and I think that's what they've done because they can't have ridden their luck as much as they had over at that time without having a deal with Lewis, Mr. Lewis Cipher. So uh, that's my theory, and I think we will beat them. I think we came very close last year. Um, I don't know how we didn't win that game. We were so much better than. And there's, but there's been so many games where we've dominated and they've just scored, you know, a, a, an equaliser out of nothing. Um, but um, yes, it would be nice to be. Uh, but but uh, I, I, just, to, just I think you're right. I think there was. I think the second half were a better side than we were. But that Pedro equaliser was just that. It came. I mean, there was a, a misplayed a, a misplayed ball. There was there was was completely against the run of play for the first half. Mm-hmm. And it and it took the wind out of 
out of our sails. I think it's the the disaster goal to give up, right? But do you think our confidence? Do you think we have a thing of confidence? Because just before that, Lloris gave the ball away, and we had a first sort of jittery moment almost, and that slightly undermined the, the supreme confidence which we were playing and completely dominating. Yeah, but, but Lloris gives the ball, ball away seems on a routine basis. I, I don't, I don't think that. I, you know, I, I think that first half we we bossed it. We were by far yep. the better team. They didn't have a sniff at all. And it was just one careless moment, which, okay, coincidentally was, was as you say, after Larissa's um, back pass. But I don't think that had anything. I mean, Larissa's unfortunately been doing that a lot all season. Um, but it was, yeah, it was f- further up the pitch when, when Dembele, I think it was a quickly taken free kick. Um, and and we lost the ball and we should have so done we didn't, pick up, we didn't pick him up did we, we didn't pick Pedro up he was just there in, in his space well, there was there's about, about five minutes before before the end of the half there was something about the body shape on the on the pitch like Walker kind of looked lackadaisical everybody sort of stepped back and I remember I was sitting in the living room by myself and I said don't do this don't do this keep keep the pressure up keep the pressure it's as though they they kind of felt comfortable. They like backed off a little bit. Let Chelsea back in the game. I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's overconfident or a lack of confidence, but I, I felt it coming. Um, there was going to be a mistake, and that seems to be where we're conceding goals right now. Are mm-hmm. are a couple of mistakes, a couple of kind of mental lapses that lead lead to um, lead to a, a clear cut chance. That there, he was completely unmarked, but. But yeah, Sun didn't track back. Vimmer covered, um, kind of drifted in, covering another player, and it, it was a disaster. And, and what they transition. what what they what we didn't do is close close the ball down. Um, there was the, Pedro was wonderful a striker as it was. Um, I just felt we were backing off. If you look at the if you look back at that that goal, the build up, um, we've got lines of four. It's, it's all it looks fine, but we just keep backing off. We keep backing off. Prior to Pedro getting the ball, and then when he's got the ball, we just nobody went in with with, with a challenge. Um, yeah, and Dyer was nearest. He made, he moved away rather than yeah. moving to him, and he should have been on him and kicked him to middle of next week, as far as I'm concerned. But um, you know, it's uh, it, it's interesting what Aaron said when um, about defensive mistakes because it's almost last year we made very few defensive mistakes in contrast to the year before when we kept making defensive mistakes and. Um, you know, I mean, we'll talk later about what the what the cause of that is or what the the theory of that is. But it's interesting that we keep making these defensive laps, these stupid mistakes, when yep. you think we should be in control here. Well, and it's stopping us. It's costing us points. That's interesting. If you look at it overall, um, the, the number of goals that we've conceded um, after 13 matches compared to last season after 13 matches, it's pretty much the same. I think it might even be one better this year than it was this time last season. But it, but where we've lost, where we've conceded goals, as you say, it's just been on the back of just stupid, careless mistakes. And some of that, and I know this question's further on, um, it's, it's probably related to um, the absence of, of, of Alderweireld. Um, just one, before we sort of, We'll talk about Chelsea, but just just to come come, come back to Nick's question um, in more broader terms, very quick, briefly from both of you, um, do you subscribe to the view that we always seem to have a long uh, non-winning run against um, the other big clubs, 
and um, do we just basically bottle it? Uh, I mean, I think I think that's oh one way of framing framing the question. The other way of thinking about it is, for years and years and years, we've uh, been way behind the big clubs spending wise and salary wise, and they're going to just have more firepower, and it's going to be harder to to beat teams that are employing hundreds of millions of dollars of of player on the on the on the pitch um i think you just have to look at the results against city um and and united to say that that i don't think that that's just something about our core or our sort of psychology of the team i think we're we're starting to catch up we're starting to catch up player wise mentality wise coaching wise and um I think I think it's it's it makes sense that we've lost to teams that are have been better than us for a bunch of years and we're starting to draw and beat them now. A very wise answer if I might say so, Aaron. Thank you. I like that. Um I I mean I think if you look at the record of most people against those teams, they've had more money, they've poached all the best players off every other club. Um most people's records against the you know, top clubs, the the richest clubs, has been um, has been poor. Like you know, I mean, obviously that 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 period spans a time when they were a two bit nothing yo yo club, um, and um, so. Uh, but since the money's come rolling, and it's very hard to um, compete with them on an even playing field. I mean, with a number of players that we've competed for, we've wanted that they've wanted, and uh, they've just said, "Oh, we'll give you five times what." Um, what Spurs will pay you, and we've lost those players. Um, Hazard being being one of them. Oh yeah, William Hazard, Batshuayi. I mean, like there's been a, a sort of concerted effort on their part to, to Lampard, buy players. Back in the yeah. day, Lampard, we wanted. Um, you know, there's been a series of players, and what they did is when before they the money came in, they just paid anybody anything, and they were they were they were more in debt than Leeds United were. That, that's... When, when Abramovich took over, and and they had a completely irresponsible um, buying policy, and we had a sens- sensible-ish buying policy, and they just got out of jail with that Abramovich money. First of all, with the Harding money, and then with the Abramovich money. I mean, 26 years ago, they didn't even have their own ground. They had passing around buckets um, to uh, buy the ground in. That's that's a re- really good point, and 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 if anybody. Um, for younger listeners, or, or or if you're not familiar with the history, um, if you if you Google search Stamford Bridge, and most of the pictures aren't there, but there are one or two um, that are there somewhere on the on the web. Um, there are pictures of Stamford Bridge from the early 90s and, and before when it was just. I mean, it, 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 look, it's a cesspit anyway now, but it was an even bigger cesspit then, um, with a running track around um, uh, around the pitch and and you know. I think you have one decent stadium uh, stand, the East Stand, and, and the other ones were just falling apart. Um, yeah. Apart from it looked totally out of place, it was totally incongruous with the rest of the stadium. And, cars, um, cars parked behind the goal, or something like that. Is that <laughs> really cool? Um, you know, you, you couldn't make it up. And there was a Save the Bridge campaign. They they, they didn't own the the land. And you're absolutely right. When even when they started doing well in the '90s and they had a bit of money and whatever, they were just prior to um, a. Bramovich and his dirty um, money coming in in, in 2003. They, the 2002-2003 season, they were in debt at the end of that season. 
and they qualified. They had they really had to qualify for the Champions League that season. Otherwise, mm. they would have been in shit. They they qualified for the Champions League. It might have been a completely different story if they hadn't. Um, and they were obviously a viable, more of a viable option to Abramovich at that point. That they were Champions League club, and he and he came in, and 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 the rest is history. And he threw his dirty, dirty money. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, I understand we're... that they had they not won, that Abramovich was looking at another option of another London club, and it was top top. Um, the story, yeah. Goes. So, yeah. Um, you know, is and that, that, right? that game changed the the whole thing. You know, I, had, I think it was it them in Liverpool qualifying for that last place. Well, this is, and, yeah. This is the perennial question, right? Would you rather have an Abramovich or or lose to Abramovich? Mm. And and I mean, we all it's I would rather lose to Abramovich than than have financial doping in our in our team. Yeah. We, we, it'll, it'll never be an issue now because, you know, supposedly this financial fair play is stopping anyone else doing that again. Right. Well, City and uh, and Chelsea did. But um, yeah, it, it it totally disrupted. I believe Chelsea and then City completely disrupted the the, the huge wage inflation, the hyperinflation we've had in, in wages in the Premiership. I think is largely due to them just chucking any amount of money irresponsibly at players, and then everybody else playing catch up. I think that that it certainly handicaps everybody else, and it handicaps us even more so than, for example, United and Arsenal, who have got bigger stadiums and, and, and revenue coming from that which which we don't at this point in time yet it, it's definitely a handicap and if you've got if you've got the money it certainly gives you that leg up having said that we've still done very well despite yep. the fact that we haven't got those resources and if you look at last season where were Chelsea in, in the league so for all their millions it doesn't guarantee you anything although it does put you in a better position um just one thing on yesterday um I I, I went to the bridge for, for the first time and um, a good shower afterwards. Sorry, did you have a good shower afterwards? Clean yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, to be honest, it was. Do you know what? Up until they scored, it was a really good day. Um, walking down Earl's Court and down the um, down Fulham Broadway with with lots of other Spurs fans singing songs, um, police escort along the way, and and just. Yeah, it was it was really good getting to their stadium, the, the anticipation, getting into their shit stadium, um, and that first half was was you know was was really good until the forty fourth minute, and you know, I don't think we were that bad in the in the second half. We just we faded somewhat, and they were a bit better. Um, I think a point overall would have been a fair. You know, it was a classic cliche game of two halves. I think a point would have been a fair result. Um, it's obviously would really. It- what did you think of Potch's substitutions in the second half? Uh, who did he bring on? He brought on Janssen, um, Sun came Kudu. off, and Kudu, and, um, and Dembele came off. Winks, I think, was it yep. Winks? Winks came on. Um, yep. Winks certainly was a bit more dynamic, getting the ball out, always looking looking forward. Um, Janssen, we needed another option up front. I think we needed something different. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't too impressed with with Dembele. I don't think he's he's hit the standards of, of last season just yet. And I think some of that's down just to to um, you know missing a lot of games early on through suspension and then injury and then injury. Yeah, and then an injury as well, and then finding finding your, your, your rhythm. Um, 
Son faded in the second half. I wasn't surprised that he came off. And Kundu, now, a lot of people I've read on social media were quite impressed with him. I wasn't too impressed. I think there's, there's certainly a player there. There's certainly raw talent. But he looks a little bit feeble. He could do with a, a bit of beefing up. Um, he was very skillful on the ball. Hmm. And, it, and it, there was I saw flashes. For me, I saw flashes of a player that, that could be... Uh, a real impact, game-changing sub. Right now, it seems like he's still trying to find his feet in, in the side. Hmm. Um, I thought Dembele had, by the way, flashes of himself. And and the most dangerous we looked in the first half was when Dembele was, you know, his hit back to his form. But that was there was just a couple of minutes of that moments of taking on a couple of players, finding the next pass, having defenders suck in. On, around him, it was Dembele of before, but when he's out of the game, when he's sort of taken out of the game uh, for whatever reason, either mentally or because he's being marked out of the game, uh, we have a really hard time creating chances without Lamella, without um, Dembele looking um, like himself. And that's, I think, that's actually the most worrisome thing about about yesterday for me was Dembele's continued lack of form and lack of chance of good chance creation without Lamella in the side. Yeah. And he actually lost the ball. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for the guy you, you very rarely see Dembele ever lose the ball. Yeah. I mean they plastically they say it's so hard to get the ball off of him. And um so uh, maybe that's a an indication of his lack of form or lack of um being a hundred percent yet match fit. I think I thought that, we, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say I think we also missed um Danny Rose on the, on the left. I think Vimmer yeah. did a, Vimmer did a good job um, playing out of position defensively, but particularly in the second half, or maybe I noticed it more in the second half. Well, um, first half, um, a lot of our attacks on the left came from 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 Son, um, and then cutting inside, uh, and then he went a bit missing in the second half. Now, that second half, maybe I noticed it more because we were poorer, or, or maybe because I was on the left hand side of the pitch as, as we were attacking but we didn't have they that change as well sorry you know, it wasn't just down to us they changed they changed you know, as, as well of course but we, we didn't have that outlet on, on on the left going forward so i noticed for, for whatever reason a lot of our attacks came down on on on, on the left and Vimmer got the ball and there were lots of spurs fans just saying take you know bring it forward bring it forward and he was always going for the easy option well there's a reason for that. He's not an attacking. He's yeah. not somebody that he's. He's a very good defender. He's he's decent on the ball, but he he's, he doesn't have that ability to bring the ball forward. In for example, in a way that even dare I say, Jan Vertonghen or, or Alderweireld would do. Um, so we seem we definitely lacked Rose both as an attacking outlet and also I think if Rose had played, um, it would have helped pin um, uh, Moses. A bit more into in, in, into his own half. Um, we sorry. did nothing first half. He, you know, we 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 did definitely, you know, worked him out first half. But um, yeah, second half they changed shape slightly. They pressed us on the ball more. We stopped pressing them, um, and um, and they were much more incisive with their passing, much more, um, much quicker, um, and uh, created cleaner chances. The the thing about the um the subs that that uh, the reason why I brought it up is, Poch seems really 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 unwilling to make a, a substitution before the sixty 
fifth minute, basically. And I know the statistics sort of support support that, but I mean, I mean yesterday when we were clearly we, they had changed their shape, clearly we were getting out muscled. I I felt like we needed a, a change sooner. Don't want to second guess the guy, but it's just one part of of him that I always sort of wish like okay, ten minutes into the second half we we're getting overrun. Let's make this adjustment now. Let's not wait any any longer. Um, what do you guys think of that? I think that. Do you think? Uh, oh, sorry. I was just, I, was just saying, I think certain managers, for example, Mourinho wouldn't hesitate to make an early substitution if he needs to. I yeah. think with Pochettino, I can see what what you're saying, Aaron. Um, I think he just. I think he's just of the mindset that he believes that the players that he he's picked, the starting eleven, you know, if they, if if they haven't quite done it in the first half, I know. I know in this game they they did, but let's just say it was uh, a, a game where we started poorly in the first half. I, I think that he's got the mindset that generally he believes he's going to stick with the same players, give them a chance to um, amend any errors and 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 to reorganise the personnel and and do something different. Uh, so it, it's I see it as he's got faith in those individuals, and if and if yeah. by by the sixtieth fifth minute. It, it's not working, then it'll change it. Is it too late? A, I don't know. If you have a team talk at half-time, you know, you have the first half, you set your tactics up, you set them up all week, you talk about what you're going to do, you plan for that game, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's not kind of quite working, you can try and shout some instructions first half, but you get them all in at half-time, um, unless someone's having a complete stinker and, you know, or he's, he's not well or something, you don't take people off at half-time. You give them a sort of, you know, some new instructions, um, some new focus or whatever, and you've got to give it 10 minutes at least, 10, 15 minutes to see if it works out. I don't think, um, you know, if you, if, if he's quite a stubborn man. He's a very determined man, stubborn man. <laughs> he has a belief in that his way is the way to do things. Uh, and, um, you know, and so far it's been pretty good. Um, and so I think we kind of, we've got to go with that. I've more got an issue with the sort of substitutions are a little bit, who, him, what, but, you know, why is he taking mm-hmm. him off? Who's, why, you know, and, and quite often sometimes I, I, I don't understand the, under the substitutions when it feels like a certain thing was needed. And um, to me, I'm surprised sometimes a person is taken off and sometimes, you know, when one particular option on the bench I'd be fancying, then, you know, he's put something else on. But I don't know, he knows these guys better than we do and how they are all week and what they do in training. And so, um, in Poch we trust. Right. I, I'm, this will lead on to the next question. I mean, I was, I think, you know, as disappointed as the next person after that match. Yeah, yeah, I can take solace in the way that we played, and I think we we played particularly well in that first half. And there was no reason why we shouldn't have come away with it. You know, at least at least a point. I think a point would have been a fair result. But as it was, um, you know, we've we've lost. It's disappointing to lose um, first defeat of the season. Disappointing to lose to that lot and and, and go seven points behind. But but it's happened. Um, Greg Taylor asks, the monkey's off our back. We finally got beaten. Two questions. Would you rather it had been Chelsea or West Ham who ended our, our run? Um, and he says, goes on to say he'd, he'd prefer to lose to 
one of the league leaders personally. He then goes on to say, and do you think that without the pressure of that unbeaten run, we have more chance of emulating last season's form, especially when key players come back? I, I'm, I would have much, well, I would have, it would have been much worse had we lost to West Ham, I think. I think that's just horrible. It's horrible to imagine. They're an awful team, especially right now. And, um, the, you know, to lose 2-1 to Chelsea, uh, this Chelsea side, I, didn't, I think that's, I'd have preferred to win. I think it was a respectable loss as much as one can say a loss is respectable. Respectable. Um, the second question, um, I'm of two minds about this. I think the second half of the question, for sure, when Toby, Rose, and Lamella back, I think that's a different team. It's a different side altogether. Um, I've, I've said it before. I'm Obviously, I'm a Lamella, um, a, a big Lamella fan, a, an apologist on occasion for Lamella, but I, I think he's one of those players that we don't actually have a good uh, substitute for. His sort of intensity, his work rate, his defensive work, and his creative, his look for a creative pass, a, an incisive pass. We just don't have another player that offers all of that. And when he's not in the team, we look really, really different. Um, and we rely much more on Ericsson, um, much more on Ali. Those two players suffer when Lamilla's not in the side. Um, now, Rose, for sure, he's he's one of the best fullbacks in the league. If not, him and Walker might be the best. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm biased, but... Uh, the real thing is 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 Toby and Lamella. Toby's distribution, Toby's defensive solidity, Toby's leadership, Lamella's intensity. Those are those are things that make Tottenham Hotspur of last year the, the side that they were. And and I think we're, it's really in stark relief for me. Without those two players, um, we're a different side. Oh, shall I go? Um, I, um, in answer to the question about the monkey off my back, I think that's really unfair to compare Costa to a monkey. Uh, I feel sorry <laughs> for the monkey because I think that's a, that's a gross, um, you know, that, that's terrible to thing to say to monkeys. I think he's more of a Neanderthal myself. Um, and I really dislike Chelsea. I think like um, when we talk to Carol and other people who have grown, you know, who, who've lived amongst them and had a lot of Chelsea fans, they are fans are horrible and if a sinkhole opened up, because they're apparently quite common in um, South London, um, and if a sinkhole opened up in SW6 on match day and they all disappeared, whole club and everything, I'd be completely happy. Um, so uh, I keep praying for that uh, sinkhole under Stamford Bridge. But, um, yeah, moving on to the other question. Um, for me, um, we need to dis rediscover the art of quick passing Um Things at the moment aren't quite clicking, and a lot of time we're playing the ball backwards. Um, we're playing the ball, we counter-attack, and then it stalls. Um, all the passes are just not being zipped there quick enough, and that, you know, pass that dribbles to somebody rather than um, runs flies to them, pass that's played to the player or behind the player rather than for them to run onto, gives the defence time to organise themselves and get back in position, and we're not quite clicking. And I was going to talk about and uh, there was an excellent article on Spurs um, I can't remember I think you may have posted it yourself Jab about um, Spurs are either brilliant or rubbish and they said that they talked about what 
we're a sort of team made up of these constituent parts, this well-oiled machine. Um, and with a few of those parts missing, we, we don't quite hit the heights. We're not quite, you know, we're not reliant on individual players of brilliance. Mm -hmm. We're much more a collective and the understanding between them. And it, it's clear, I mean, Janssen's, it's hard on Janssen because um, the stats show that when he's in the side, he doesn't get him as many passes um, as uh, as Kane. So he's not making the right runs or they're not spotting him or they're not trusting him or whatever it is. But, um, uh, yeah, it's just well, a well-oiled machine. And uh, I think, Jav, I think you'd be pleased to know I think we need a well-oiled Toby back. <laughs> a well-oiled well, well Toby makes a big difference to any any team. Um I, 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 do you know what? As much as I dislike West Ham, I would have if out of these three London derbies, Arsenal, West Ham, and Chelsea, we got four points out of a possible nine. I would have happily taken four points against Arsenal and Chelsea and lost to West Ham, or or, or got more than four points, even dare I say it, six, um, right. because losing to West Ham. Um, in the great scheme of things, it doesn't mean anything. Losing to your rivals, um, you know, effectively now we're what we, we went into that match four points behind Chelsea. Um, if we'd drawn, at least we would still still only be four points behind. That we're now seven points behind. So I, I would have rather have lost to, to West Ham than, than given three points away to Chelsea. Um, on isn't the Spurs, sorry, isn't it a Spurs tradition to lose to the, the uh, relegated teams? Uh, every year we seem to lose to one yeah. of the teams that get relegated and um, it looks like West Ham are going that way so maybe that's a good omen maybe so well they're this year's Newcastle <laughs> um, yeah we've got them incidentally I think the penultimate game of the season or, or something like them that. down again yep yep um, or, or we could be on the verge of winning the league, or in with a shout, and they could they could spoil the party. Um, on 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 the second part of the question um, about um, emulating last season's form, if you look at um, just some stats, um, this time last season after 13 matches, um, we had we were fifth in the table, um, six wins, six draws, one defeat, exactly the same record um, now. Um, the only difference was we've scored not we scored 19 so far and conceded 10 last season i think we conceded 11 at this stage um and scored 24 okay now that's six better in terms of goal scoring but we but we know there's a problem anyway there we know that there was a problem this season in terms of you know we've missed kane for a big part um and we've we've had a few injuries and and I wonder if we had those injuries last season. I wonder if we didn't have Kane for those first 13 matches, never mind um, the whole of the season, um, where we would have been in, in, in the table. I mean, it's worth mentioning that and also obviously being without Toby. And yeah, I agree totally with what you said earlier, Aaron, about Toby and Lamella being so crucial to the way we play, that high energy, high press. But also Rose. I think Rose gives you balance on that left-hand side. He gives you that outlet um, but which we didn't really have yesterday going forward on the left. Um, just very briefly, I don't really want to talk too much about Europe because it bores the death out of me. Um, we played Monaco and um, and we lost. And I know there's been endless uh, 
endless talk on social media about players, people saying, fans saying that um, Pochettino shouldn't have played a weakened team, this, that and the other. Um, I don't think he played a weakened team. I think if he had, if, 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 apart from, apart from, well, Trippier might have well have played anyway, irrespective, because he likes to rotate his full-backs. But apart from Yat, apart from Yat, gen- generally it was a strong team. Um, we we didn't lose, we didn't go out of Europe because of losing that match. We went out of Europe because of the, or the Champions League rather, because of the, the, the earlier defeats at home to Monaco and, and Leverkusen. Um, we've got one more game, CSK. Um, I'm not going to ask you whether we whether we should throw it or, 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 or whatnot. I know some people think that we should just lose and, and just so we don't qualify for, 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 for the Europa. Um, assuming we, we get a point, or better still, we win that match and break that Wembley Wembley curse. Um, we're in the Europa, let's say. Would you think that, that Maurizio should play the youngsters or should he go, go all out and win that particular competition, assuming we, we get past CSK? Very briefly. I Sorry, I believe it's quite important, really. I think, um, I mean, firstly, we've, you know, we've, we've got all our home games there next season. It would be, it's really important, I think, to, to try and win that Seska Moscow game. Um, and, um, you know, no to, I mean, I don't think we'd ever go out to lose, not wearing a shirt. Um, but, um, yeah, if we're in Europe, I don't think it's a disaster. I think um, we, you know, we haven't had the vehicle. We've got a lot of young, promising young players to come through that we would like to see. Um, we've got your honour, Mars and Winks and... Um, Marcus Edwards later in the season, hopefully, um, possibly Shailen Harrison. All these young players, um, Carter Vickers needs some um, game time, um, and um, the other Carl Walker, Walker Peters. So it will be good to see a lot of these guys get um, some good experience and play. So uh, yeah, we were, we we were, we. I completely agree with you. We didn't lose it on against Monaco. We lost it at Wembley. I thought it was really interesting what Poch said about um, wanting to play the, the the Europa League games at at uh, Wembley because it's the first time that there was sort of the acknowledgement that this is this is a challenge that it's a challenge to have two home pitches effectively and that it's a challenge to adjust to to playing at Wembley and it will it will be a challenge potentially next year um, and to that. To that end, I, I agree. I don't think I think you have to go out and try to win the game against Seska. And I think um, I don't know. I'm to me, Europe is Europe, and sure you get some of the youngsters to play, but you take it seriously and you see if we can go far. And the last two years, I've watched the Europa League final and thought it was thrilling, absolutely thrilling, and um, much more exciting than the Champions League final. Mm-hmm. Um, would I rather be in the Champions League? Of course, but I, I, I think, I think there's a, there's an, uh, I think there's more of a hangover when we go out of a competition than there is when we're in the competition, um, and we, we saw it last time we, you know, we, every time we've gone out of a competition, we've crashed out. We play a little bit poorer for the next couple of games before we we find our form again. Um, so I'd rather I'd I'd like to see us. Um, Get into the Europa League. I like to see us take it seriously. Yeah, and, and I believe if we if we if we go out and win the competition, we would qualify for the Champions League, irrespective of where we finish in the league. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Of course, it's completely presumptuous on, on my part because we might lose CSK and not be in the Europa, but yeah. we should, we'll just see what happens. Right. Um, just very quickly before Bex does a ladies' update. Um, question really for, 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 for Zach. Connor Manetto from... Illinois, Chicago, asks, is this season a run of bad form or regression to the mean? You're a teacher. So <laughs> you, know, you know about um, means and medians. Means and, and modes, whatever. I'm not a maths teacher, unfortunately. But um, no, I think uh, the simple answer is form is temporary, class is permanent. We have the youngest team in the league. We, you forget about how young some of these guys are. We've also got quite a young learning manager. You know, he's, um, he's not operated really at this level before. And uh, I'd like to give a bit of a shout out. There was a fantastic, um, uh, Wendy from the Fighting Cop did a fantastic discussion about the tactics and the Bielsa methods and where that came from. And, and it really gave it a good insight into Poch's, Poch's mentor. Um, and um, I think it's well worth a listener, well worth a, a listen about it. It's, you know, less of the, um, it's less about um, ejaculation and, and other such things and more about the tactics of football. <laughs> Um, and it's uh, yeah, come really, again. Really good. <laughs> Jab's still thinking about the well oiled Toby. <laughs> um, Six spurs, oh dear. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do some more questions in the second half of the podcast. First, here's Bex with this week's Spurs Ladies Update. Afternoon, evening, morning, whatever time you're listening to this. Hi, it's Bex. Um, to let you know what the ladies have been up to, which is uh, not a great deal. They st- seem to have stopped their midweek games and they're back to only playing once a week, which is really handy because then I've only got one lot of research to do instead of two. Today, which is Sunday, the girls have played in a league for the first time in a couple of weeks, it seems. They played Swindon down at Shrivenham with a two o'clock kickoff. Fairly uh, dominant first half, helped by the fact that in the second half they came out and scored four. So Bianca Baptiste, Renee Hector, who came on and within a minute has scored. Nikita Winnett and Kelly Blanchflower scored. So that's nice by my reckoning. And it does take a while for the league tables to reflect. That keeps them joint top with Cardiff. So the promotion is still on potentially should they keep up this good form. They still really are on fire. It's definitely worth going and having a look. I may have said that before once or twice, or every time I've done this, but because they're playing so well, it's definitely worth your time. They, the fixture list at the moment on the official website has a TBC in for next weekend, so I'm, or for, sorry, for this week, so I'm not sure if they're going to play or not, and that's against Lewis, and that's at Chesson. Again, there's no time, and there's no definitive date. Failing that, they play next Sunday at Chesson at 2 that's Sunday the 4th of December, and that's in the Women's FA Cup first round. Similarly to the men's game, this is the first um, shot at this where you traditionally get the perhaps not quite so well-known teams. Um, it will invariably end up with a WSL1 team winning, but it's still good to watch anyway. So hopefully the ladies can continue their good run. The morale in the camp is absolutely huge. Anything on Twitter from Cameron Hills manager or Juan Carlos Amaros who um, is the assistant manager will show you what confidence is like the girls are all over Instagram Twitter and Facebook and again there's lots of videos of their their confidence lots of quotes so keep your eye out any snags or any questions I am on Twitter at Bunches Bex failing that speak to you next week cheers bye bye 
Welcome back to the second half of the Tottenham Hotspur family podcast. Thank you, Bex. Right, um, before we do some questions, Aaron, I mentioned earlier on that you've been busy working on, on a few projects. Um, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I started a, uh, a, a rival podcast. No, I started a podcast <laughs> that could never rival this. It's a it's sort of a documentary audio project. Um, it's called First Time, Long Time, um, stories about sports for people that may not like sports. It's trying to look at the kind of hidden narrative of sport, what how it changes our lives, how it affects us. Um, we'll, we'll be looking at... Um, the nature of uh, geography as it relates to sports. So what it's like to to be a fan of a team that that doesn't play in the city that you live in. Um, we're looking at all kinds of ways that uh, sport intersect with life. So I have a, f- um, a friend who's an obsessive fan of uh, the TV show Friends and also um, Michigan basketball. And so how does that, how do those two things kind of intersect in her life? Um, but then also kind of looking at the smaller stories. Um, have a, um, we're gonna do an episode on a guy who kind of crashed out of Major League Baseball, but then started to play for the Israel national team much many, many years later um, and sort of found a second life in, in sport. Um, and they're all, like I said, they're documentary style interviews, lots of um, music and, and, and sound, trying to give you a window into uh, the sort of stories of sport that you're not necessarily think of when you look at just the results um, the next day. So we, we've got a short clip from first time, long time, which we're going to listen to now. I have a brand new daughter. I can stare at her for hours. And part of why I can do that is that we have these things called mirror neurons in our brains. When she smiles, my brain tells me to smile. I feel her smile happening inside of me. That same process is occurring when I watch Tottenham play. Put another way, here's what Eric Simmons said in the Washington Post. It is not an obnoxious affectation when a devotee of a team uses the word we. It's a literal confusion in the brain about what is me and what is the team. In all kinds of unconscious ways, a fan mirrors the feelings, actions, and even hormones of the players. When I watch my team play, testosterone pumps through my veins, my mirror neurons fire, my heart rate increases, my brain plays along. Okay, so that was that was an extract from uh, from first time, long time. Um, I've I've listened to the first two episodes, very good. Um, second episode was really good. Um, uh, no you. bias. No, 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 no. bias. No, no, no bias. There. Yes, if you t- um, if you tune in, you'll you can hear the dulcet t- tones of Javed Muvahadi talking about a a certain trip he took to Dubai. Yeah, um, that sounds really interesting. I uh, <laughs> I'm going to add that to my uh, my uh, podcast list that I listen to on my my long commute. Uh, Excellent. Uh, two hours, well, ten hours a week commute or whatever that I have. Um, ten hours worth of commuting. Uh, always looking for something good and new. There was a fantastic story of Robin Friday that someone did over the summer when I was really bored when the football season had finished and I was still commuting to work. And he was the, great, the greatest footballer you've never heard of. He was oh, I heard that. I heard that. That's... that. You know, who just liked to 
brilliant at football, but liked to carry on drinking and partying and all the rest of it, and uh, and uh, lived fast, died young. I'll just give you one more recommendation. There's uh, there's uh, the podcast Five Thirty Eight um, did did a podcast on the statistician that figured out that the fewer passes made in a football game re- uh, results in the most goals. And, oh no, not him. And and how he completely ruined the English game yeah. for a decade or, or he was more. Professor, more. wasn't he? I remember him. Yeah. It it's a of... it's a fantastic story because he's complete. It's it's a great look at how stat- statistics can be viewed through the wrong lens and make the worst possible decision. Absolutely. The... And if you if you get a chance, if you've not heard it, um, I went the Spurs when they interview. Um, they interview, oh my god, I've forgotten his name now, um, the one who commentates on the Paul Gascoigne 91 Cup final goal. Um, Barry Davis. Barry Davis. They interview yeah. Barry Davis. Absolutely wonderful. Um, and he comes out as a Spurs fan, which we never realised. And it's completely, completely brilliant, completely spellbinding. His memories, all these great games, great players. Um, and uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful man. When's the, Aaron, when's the next. Um... The next, the third installment of first time, long time. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not exactly sure. They take a long time to put together because I'm doing it all by myself, uh, doing interviews, finding archival footage and uh, archival tape, and editing it all together um, so that it sounds semi-presentable. Um, it would probably be within the next two weeks. But the best thing to do is um, follow me on Twitter. That's I'm at. Aaron Wolf, A-A-R-O-N-W-O-L-F-E, and I'll be posting the link. And if you can subscribe to it on iTunes, it's uh, first time, long time. Um, there's two of them. I didn't know that when I when I created the name. So there's two of them. You have to find the one that I made um, and subscribe, and, and it'll pop up in your feed. Cool. Okay, let's finish off with some questions. Um, John Steggles, um, who I'm meeting next week um, at the the Spurs versus Swansea match. Um, John's appeared a few times on the pod. John asks, take back um, for the Swansea match. How much have we missed him? A follow-up to that, Connor Moneto also says, what impact has Toby's absence had on the last run of fixtures? Our season has been on pause effectively since he's been gone. I think he changes. I think I think we I think we revert to to the um, to the mean once he returns. Actually, I think this is a a statistical aberration of a run. Myself, um, I think he's a hugely calming presence, Toby. Um, and um, so that you know, he's the most solid. Um, the best defensive centre back partnership in in the country, um, and um, and not only allows us to give a solid base, but the counter attacking from him. Um, so I think we've missed him. Um, but what I never understand with us is why we in midfield we we seem to we start an attack and then we pass it backwards. Um, you know I can understand we don't want to hit a long ball up front and we don't want to hit a hit and hope. But what we do is we pass it back to possibly one of the worst um, long kickers in the in the game um, or one of the defenders to, and say right now you go and hit a Hollywood pass um, uh, a Hail Mary as they say in America um, <laughs> and, and inevitably and most of the time it, it, it ends up in nothing whereas if we took the chance in midfield and 
something that Winks does is he turns and drives at, at, at the heart of their um, defence, then um, you know surely there's a better chance of us creating something there than passing it back to defender keeper and then when we're closed down having a hoof it long. It just frustrates me immensely. So um, so yes, I think we've missed him, um, and um, but uh, I think other people have to take some responsibility and um, and make do the brave thing. You know, be brave on the ball instead of passing responsibility. It's really tricky, right? Because Lamella constantly gets dinged for misplacing a pass once he's trying something creative. It's like it's a really challenging thing as a fan. On one hand, you're absolutely right. I agree with you 100%. By the way, but I, I think on one hand, as a as a fan, as fans, we we want to see our our team maintain possession. We want to see our team. Uh, not give the ball away, and on the other hand, we we want them to be brilliant on the ball all the time and and make these incisive, creative passes that mm-hmm. that and attack the attack. Um, I mean, there's a bit of that going on in the in the team right now. As a sort of the team is almost of two minds. On occasion, we're pushing for the attack. On the occasion, we're trying to be conservative. And once it once it's working, when it's working. Uh, it's fine, but when it doesn't, we tend we trend towards the conservative, and it doesn't. Depends who it is. Like you know, again, it's a great point, but um, you know, um, if you're, I think I heard again, I think it was probably Windy talking about percentages and um, and percentage passes and key passes and things like this. And if you're passing it between fullback and centre back, you can generally pass it most of the day until they come and close you down with 100% success rate. But where you're trying to thread that ball through, the sort of ball that Lamella plays, um, the sort of ball that Ericsson, Ericsson quite often plays um, and then gets criticised for, when you, those are, you know, um, against a tight defence when, you know, there, there's much less chance of completion as people in the way. Um, and if it generally, if the pass does complete, as it did several times last year with the Lamella-Ericsson sort of combination, um, then uh, it, it leads to a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and you know the trouble with statistics is it's only in football one statistic that matters, and that's goal difference mm-hmm. on the game. Um, all other statistics are, are meaningless. You can have you know ninety nine percent possession and lose. You know if you don't if you don't score those goals, if you don't take those chances. And I think quite often we are a bit a bit slow, a bit conservative. It frustrates me immensely that we sort of almost wait for everybody to get back behind the ball. Let's pass it backwards on a counter-attack. Let's sideways and then pass it backwards. Let them all get defend, get, get goal side. Let them all get themselves organised before we really go at them. Um, and um, that, that, I find that, that, that immensely frustrating. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that is a frustrating aspect of our play. I think you're right that there are certain players. Winks, I think, he's very good at being very direct um, with the ball, I think. That, and then you've got players like Lamella and Ericsson, who very different players, but both creative, both looking for that. You know, Ericsson's very good at. I know he's not having a great season, but he's very good. Certainly yesterday, first half he was very good, and then he faded um, somewhat in the second half. He's very good at threading that pass, as you said, Zach, where you've got a tight defence, just finding that that opening and, and and finding that ball that nobody else is capable of finding. Lamella as well, in his own way. Um, Unfortunately, when when um, when things don't, you know, when that that pass doesn't um, come off, then unfortunately fans get 
fans are fans are critical. Um, fans, sadly, um, this might be a bit of a generalisation on my part. Fans, I just generally think, not just Tottenham fans, but most football fans for the most part, <laughs> are just are just thick. Really, they're just stupid and fickle. Um, and um, and that does I do find that. If you're at a Spurs, I said this before. If you're at a Spurs game and you're there in in you know in the park lane or, or, or and and you're singing and and and, and whatnot, generally it's, it's a better atmosphere because of that. But also it drowns out the the the, the guy that would be you'd be say if you're sitting in the West Upper, for example, sat there with lots of people that don't sing but just constantly moan about this, that, oh, this that, God, and, and, yeah. and the other. Anyway, that, that that's another thing. Um, I'd also add to that that. There are occasions where I know it gets frustrating when when we pass the ball back, but I think sometimes we don't help ourselves and we don't have that outlet. Whether it's you know yesterday, for example, we didn't have that outlet on the left, so it kept we kept trying to pass the ball back and sideways, and we just you know Vimmer um, would bring the ball forward, but he just didn't have the I don't know the ability or the confidence. He's just not in his makeup to bring the ball forward in the way that Danny Rose would. So sometimes. It depends on options. Sometimes, if the options aren't there, then you've got to bring the ball back. Um, let's bring it back to, to, to the question and Toby um, to answer <laughs> to answer. Focus on Toby to answer John and Connor's question. Have we missed him? Yes, of course we have. Um, just a little stat. Um, we. In the eight matches, I think it's seven, but anyway, um, eight matches with Alderweireld, we've won five of them, drawn three, not lost any, scored 13 and only conceded four. Without Alderweireld, apparently it's five, but that might be six, I think. Um, we've only won one of those games, drawn three, lost one, scored six as opposed to 13, and conceded six. So, um, you know, and in, 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 even if you didn't roll those stats back at me... It, you go back to the City. It was City. We beat City, and then the following game, we were doing really well in the first half, but for Foster making all those saves against West Brom. Um, second half, Alderweireld gets injured. I think it was just prior to them scoring, in fact. And pretty much since then, we've been poor. We've really been poor. And he... Uh, you know, he's part of that spine of that team. Alderweireld, we said it last week, there was a question about, I think, who 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 was a bigger loss, Kane or Alderweireld. I think both of them are, are pivotal to the team. Um, let's move on. Um, I've got a few more questions that so we'll quickly go through. Um, Ed Brad, what's your warmest piece of Spurs-branded clothing you wear to matches out, matches out in this weather? I have a scarf. Who's going? I go. Um, I've got a reversible Spurs woolen hat that's kind of blue uh, with a white um, cock on it uh, on one side, and the other side it's white with a blue cock on it. Um, but I kind of tend to um, put the pin badges on on everything: my sort of membership badges and my pin badges on my jumpers, uh, on my school, cl- on my work clothing at school, or whatever. So it just enables me to get more stick from um, Chelsea and Arsenal fans and occasionally West Ham fans uh, when we lose. So, uh, yeah, so I kind of, almost every piece of clothing I always end up wearing a Spurs emblem on. Mm. Um, Much like yourself, Aaron, a scarf, I'd say, probably. Um, The only thing in terms of the weather is it's it's starting to get cold. I I don't know what it's like in Boston this time of year. 
cold. Cold. Very cold. Okay. Um, it's definitely getting cold, nippy in London. Um, Zach, I'm guessing you don't have any problems with the weather in Costa del Weymouth. Oh, you know, we're we we we're, we're not wearing shorts every day, but um, the, but this Hurricane Angus, you know, this uh, sorry Hurricane Angus, I'm upgrading this Storm Angus has really been giving everything a bit of a battering and made it very cold and uh, and very unseasonal. I mean, sometimes we're not even able to have cocktails, you know, in the afternoon. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got I've got a Christmas jumper, a Spurs Christmas jumper, Spurs merchandise. Um, I, I don't think I'm I like. Unlike a lot of Christmas jumpers, which are just quite cheesy, um, I think it's actually a very nice jumper. Um, but I only ever wear it at Christmas, um, you know, on, on Christmas Day or, or in and around that time. Um, but I've never worn it to a match. I think the warmest clothing that I would wear um, would, would be a scarf, um, however cold it gets. But, but nothing, nothing more than that. No woolly coat or, or, or Spurs jumper or Spurs hat, Spurs Christmas hat even. Um, Another question from Connor Manetto: Which Spurs player has the most interesting Christmas wish list? That is a great question. Uh, and I'm guessing that um, Deli Ali is is wishing for goals, so it's probably that's probably the most interesting. Okay, I got I got the obvious one, which is uh, Janssen is desperately asking Santa for a goal, um, and I reckon Winks is probably um, asking Santa to never wake up from this wonderful dream he's <laughs> playing his boyhood club. Um, he's I reckon he's probably scared to go to sleep at night in case he the alarm clock goes off and he wakes up and it's just another school day or something. Um, but um, and I believe Toby's um, got a, a date with Jav on his wish list. Right, moving on to the next question. Greg, Greg, Greg Taylor, um, we all know about Hoddle and Waddle's perhaps misguided attempts at being pop stars with Diamond Lights. Um, what song should Deli Alley and Eric Dyer sing to emulate these heroes of yesteryear? Zach, I'll, I'll let you go first. Um, I've, got, I've got a couple. I've got um, um, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. And uh, one that Dad would approve of is uh, "You're My Wonderwall." Very <laughs> good. I think um, I think they're sing the classic love duet, "Love Lift Us Up oh. Where We Belong," oh. because you know, let's be fair, both of them have been a little bit below par, but their love for each other will bring them back. Or uh, they could have "Ain't No Mountain High Enough." <laughs> Ain't no Toby oily enough. Oh, dear, dear. Have they had a lover's tiff? Because, as you say, neither of them are playing particularly well. Could be. That could be the whole problem yeah. with the chemistry. Ali's dump dire. Yeah. It could be. We don't know who's, who is who is it that's stealing the duvet, you know? Who's mm. stealing the duvet in the night and on these cold nights? <laughs> Okay, final final question. Um, this is one we've 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 finished each of the last few pods pod, pods with pods mm, podcasts with Nick Seal. If you could be any Spurs player, past or present, who would you be? If I come to you first, Zach. Um, uh, well, it's quite hard for me to to say anybody but my favourite player of all time. Um, so if I ask it unimaginably with Hod all day long. 
Um, and maybe if I'm trying to be a bit more imaginative, um, I could think of... Oh, I don't know. I'll come back. I'll think of another more imaginative one. Aaron. Uh, honestly, um, this is not particularly imaginative either, but it's Harry Winks. Because like much like Harry Kane before, you have this sense that he's just completely living all of our dreams when we were kids, right? Just like this is the team that he grew up with, the team that he that he loves, and he's he's playing like he's still that kid who's so happy to be there and just to have that experience it must be the best feeling in the absolute universe. I loved I loved his the quotes from Poch after his, after his first goal, where he just had to go into the the locker room and, and, and cry afterwards. I just completely relatable. I, I I would love that. Maybe also I, actually I thought of um, a couple. There's, there's two of the most skillful players I've seen play in a Spurs shirt um, who I wouldn't mind of uh, being, um, despite one has immense problems. Uh, the first one's Maradona, um, and the second one, you know, maybe um, being. Um, Again, if you could be any player, if you could be Paul Gascoigne and sort of have a level head on those, you know, on those shoulders of what was such a brilliant player. Um, and then the, um, you know, what he did, what, what he did in the game, instead of drifting off to Rangers and God knows where else, Everton and places like that. He just stayed at Spurs, thought, sod Napoli, I'm not going there. Um, and um, and we, uh, we won the league and had a decade of dominance with him. That would do. Yep, sounds good to me. I think I think I, I, when I did this question first, um, I went for Gaza as well, just because great player, great great personality. Um, yeah. Okay, look. Um, right, the f- next podcast we shall be recording. We shall be recording week today, Sunday, next Sunday. Um, Zach, thank you. Buenas noches, amigos. Um, Aaron, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Right. Um, well, on that note, um, fuck Chelsea and uh, <laughs> the future's bright, the future's lily white. Good night. in the dirt. Now gather round and sing it out and we'll talk out over her.